This is the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, created by the team of Becker's Healthcare, a multimedia company devoted to the people who power U.S. healthcare. Four new 15-minute episodes are released daily, containing industry news, analysis, and thought leadership from powerful healthcare decision makers. Support our show by leaving it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or other platforms you use. It's a chance to tell us what you like about the show and act on your feedback. Thanks for listening. Now here's the episode. This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Michael Venezia, orthopedic spine surgeon at Florida Orthopedic Institute. Dr. Venezia, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Laura. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about. There's so much happening in orthopedics and spine right now, and so I'm looking forward to our conversation. But before we dive into my specific questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Uh, yeah, of course. Um, so I... Uh... I'm a Floridian born and raised, uh, completed my undergraduate training here at uh, UCF, and then um, went on to do medical school here um, uh, in uh, Sarasota, Bradenton, Florida. And then uh, I completed my residency in the Tampa Bay area at the University of South Florida, and then went on to complete a um, uh, fellowship in spine surgery at the University of California, San Francisco. Came back home to practice uh, to practice uh, medicine uh, back in the area where I trained um, in the Tampa Bay area. I'm now with the uh, Florida Orthopedic Institute. We're one of the largest orthopedic uh, surgery um, groups in the in the nation right now. Wow, that's amazing, and, and certainly, you know, it's uh, no small task to have an organization that you know um, has so many orthopedic and, and spine surgeons part of it. You know, when you look at how um, the practice has grown and been built, what do you attribute your success to? How are you able to really um, build out a practice and a culture that, you know, is has continued to grow over the years? Well, I mean, I think one thing is uh, I, I live in heaven's doorstep uh, in, in Florida. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of business and a lot of people that need surgery. So that, that has helped grow my practice at a younger uh, surgical age. Um, but, uh, you know, having a, a lot of partners, I think, has been it, it's a unique dynamic to where you either have a a uh, spine only practice or, or a large orthopedic practice. And the dynamics around here, having a large orthopedic practice works well for us because uh, there's a lot of overlap of patient symptoms and things like that. So that's helped to grow, grow my practice. And then, um, you know, I have a great group of spine surgeons that can be collaborated with. And we have, you know, conferences once a week to meet to discuss cases. And we have two fellows currently, um, obviously in residence and things like that, that, that kind of help keep you sharp and, uh, and keep you on top of things. And, you know, I think the practice kind of has organically grown just as, uh, as time has gone on and, you know, I've, you know, just focus on doing good work and, you know, the, the, the patients will come. That's great to hear. Now, what are you most excited about right now and what makes you nervous? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, some of the really exciting things that are, you know, spine surgery is just an ever evolving field. We're, we're learning a lot more every day. And, you know, I think all the new hot, hot trends right now with endoscopic spine surgery and, and the, where technology is taking us, uh, you know, I'm a big believer in technology. Um, I think that enabling technology is, uh, a, a huge advantage to us as surgeons and for the patients themselves. And I think understanding how to use it the most efficiently is, is something we still don't have yet, right? You've, you know, we've got a lot of different technologies that every company thinks is the, the next thing since sliced bread. And uh, some may be true and some may be not true, but all of these are a huge expense to to our healthcare system, whether it be our, our hospital or our private group or uh, what have you. So I, I think we still, you know, I, 
have to figure that out. And, but I mean, I think where the growth has been exponential over the last five years since I've exited training. So I think I'm really excited to see where that goes over the next few years. And then the, the evolution of, you know, everything being more, more minimally invasive, which, uh, you know, I think endoscopic is got a, it's going to play a huge role in the future. It's just, you know, it's, it's to the point that it's so early in, in adoption phase, especially in America that we don't, um, we don't know exactly where it's going to fall on, on utility, you know, once this kind of trend wears off and people are starting, everyone's starting to utilize it. And I think then once you, you get a, a larger adoption rate, you kind of get a better idea of what the most appropriate patients are for. And because not every, not every procedure is appropriate for every patient. Right. You know, and I mean, I think the things that I'm most nervous about right now are, are on the flip side on, you know, when you look at uh, reimbursement rates and, and where we're going with that and, um, you know, the, the integration and essentially collaboration with, with entities such as private equity or, or large healthcare systems, you know, we have to figure out a way to work with these people without losing our identity and without losing our ability to, to gain reimbursement for these procedures, uh, especially with, I mean, I see it running a private practice, uh, our overheads going up every month, uh, you know, cost of keeping employees is harder. So all, all these things play a role into, to unfortunately, the other side of running a practice. I think we've, we've got a really, really exciting, you know, runway ahead of us on technology and the future of spine surgery. And we've got a, a kind of, a kind of tre a more trepidatious path with, with healthcare economics. Absolutely. You bring up such a great point because there are so many things happening, developments quickly accelerating on the technology side and potential for patient outcomes. And I know, too, you know, having more data and information on patients um, can really make a big difference in, in terms of thinking through like how you are approach treating, approaching treatment and um, different areas there. But to acquire that technology and really be able to fully utilize it certainly is expensive. And, and um, I think, you know, 2023 was a challenging year for so many across the spectrum and in healthcare as well. So, you know, when you look at those balances, how do you um, identify the things that are going to be most important to invest your precious healthcare dollars in while also keeping an eye on the future and knowing that, you know, you do have to make some investments in order to keep growing? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I mean, I think it, and I don't think there's a, there's a, a, boxed answer for everyone. I think it's a kind of an individualized answer or, or hopefully more of a, a custom tailored approach. Uh, I think it has to, it has to check a couple boxes though, right? It has to hopefully affect patient outcomes and, you know, it, that becomes hard. Um, you know, it's like researching infection rates on ACDF. It, that, that surgery has such a low infection rate. It's very hard to find that number needed to treat or differential. You know, or looking at, you know, looking at, at patient outcomes on pedicle screw breaches and things like that for robotics versus navigation versus freehand. That stuff's all been looked at. And, you know, the differentials can be low, but you have to look at, you know, can you reduce patient outcomes or improve patient outcomes? Can you, and can you improve cost uh, and efficiency? Because if you make someone more efficient, the cost is going to go down. Right. So you're going to you're going to spend less money and time in the OR. You're going to spend less money postoperatively and things like that. So I think we have to to make sure the things that we're doing, we need to we just need to study this stuff. We need to. And there's a lot of great thought leaders in the in the world that are that are still that are looking at this stuff actively, thankfully, because that's what's going to help us. Number one, justify it to our payers and to our uh, our, our collaborative partners and in, in hospital systems and, and that sort of thing. Um 
but it's important for us to know, you know, are, are we, are we doing things that are making a difference, right? Are we just, are we just putting something in the OR that's adding, you know, a hassle uh, and, and time to, to the operative case? Cause there's obviously a, um, there's a, there's a, a bell curve there of figuring out, you know, how to be efficient with this new enabling technology. So I think we have to continue to be honest with ourselves about it, right? We can go there and, and ask for everything we want from the hospital systems. And, and you know, I'm biggest proponent of, of that. I'm, I'm in the process of doing that. And, you know, but we have to be we have to be uh, honest with ourselves on is this going to affect patient care? Is it going to make us better, faster, um, and safer? That's such a great point, and and certainly helpful as a guidepost to really um, analyze and understand. I can imagine you're getting uh, pitches on a regular basis in terms of like you know new and potentially um, interesting or helpful technologies, but being able to narrow it down is, is super crucial. Now, when you look over the next 12 months or so, how do you think about growth, both from your practice standpoint, as well as uh, Florida Orthopedic Institute at large? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, from a, um, a macro scale, we're looking at growth uh, in ways to continue to expand our footprint throughout Florida and the southeast. Um, and, and I think that just really helps us as, as a group um, have leverage with the insurers to make sure that they're not going to strong arm us for for contracts and things like that. So, you know, I think the goal of our growth remains as a physician-owned practice uh, to be to be physician and patient centric. So that gives us the most opportunity to take care of the most amount of patients and not have to say, well, we're not going to see this insurer's patients because we're not getting a good contract. So, I think I, I see that's you know really our, our focus uh, in the next you know twelve months is to continue to grow our footprint and continue to use that as leverage to work with the insurers and and hopefully you know uh, help with a collaborative effort to take care of uh, you know Florida's patients. I mean, from a personal standpoint, I think my goal is really to kind of figure out how to attract the most appropriate patients to my practice and, and how to take care of them the most appropriately. So, you know, I, I, my goals have been always to, to grow a, a practice with the, the use of enabling technology to help with all the complex procedures that I do enjoy doing. Um, but I also enjoy the small minimally invasive surgeries and how to, how to figure out a way to, to, you know, grow those both, you know, it has been a challenge and you know, something that I'm, I've, I've learned on my feet as a, as a young surgeon. And, you know, you come out thinking you can just see patients and, and do what's best for them. And, and that's obviously the most important part, but there's still a part of uh, you have to have to actively be working to grow your practice. Yeah, that's really fascinating. Um, and certainly I can imagine, you know, today um, what it looks like to actively grow your practice, actively um, really be in a space where you're bringing new patients in, um, you know, looks different than it did even five to 10 years ago in terms of how, you know, you get your name out there or, or where really those patient referrals are coming. Yeah, no, it, it is. And I mean, uh, one of my uh, fellowship directors, Sig Bourbon, is a big, big proponent of of looking at collaborative care. And we talked about this a lot in fellowship and how there's a lot of wasted healthcare dollars on back pain, unfortunately. Um, and it's just we don't have the appropriate funnel for those. And, and it's hard because you have to figure out a way. And I, and I think we can we can sort of get a better grasp for it as we grow as a, a larger practice and we can we can channel these patients to the most appropriate setting. But 
you know, you shouldn't be seeing me if you had back pain for a week or two, because, you know, I'm not going to obviously offer you surgery unless it's some sort of a traumatic emergent event, obviously. Um, but, you know, those patients need to be appropriately substratified and placed uh, with the appropriate providers that can help you know, get them better from a conservative manner because so many patients don't need surgery. They don't need to see us, thankfully. Um, but, you know, I think we have to get better with the allocation of healthcare dollars to one of the most common complaints in in medicine, right? You know, you talk about cough, back pains right up there. So I think we, we do need to get better obviously from a surgical standpoint of figuring out how to stratify these patients. And, and I think we're, you know, we're just touching the the surface of, uh, of AI data and looking at, you know, what's going to be the best surgery for the right page for each specific patient, but, but also how to, how to not waste healthcare dollars and, and how to really focus the patients to where they should, should be going. Um, you know, so I hope we can figure to, to continue to expand on that as we, uh, as we go through 2024. Absolutely. That, that's fascinating. And definitely, you know, Dr. Bourbon is certainly a, a friend of Becker's and we appreciate, you know, him um, contributing to us on a multiple levels, you know, such a smart um, surgeon and somebody who we really have relied on for perspective too. So um, it's he's great really to have you bring kind. him up here. Yeah, <laughs> He's really one of a kind. He's, there's, there's no one like him. He's, he's the best. Fantastic. Well, um, you know, I think before we wrapped up here, um, I just have one more question for you. I was wondering, you know, if you could talk through um, what, where you see orthopedic and spine surgery headed, what are some of the trends you see accelerating in the field? Yeah, I mean, I, I really think for spine, spine specifically, I mean, I think we're going to see, you right, such a, a, a an emergence of, of this enabling technology. You know, the, the joint surgeons have really kind of figured out uh, robotics and that sort of thing, and it's really grown in their field and orthopedics. Um, and uh, I think we're we're gonna we're kind of just right on that precipice of figuring out what's what's gonna work best, and and the the technology is only gonna get better. And, and I think we're gonna learn, you know better ways to, to take care of patients, hopefully in more minimally invasive fashion, uh, such and I, I do think endoscopy is going to play a large role in that. And, you know, I really think it just comes down to patient mobilization and getting them, getting them up and moving faster. Um, you know, if, if it's possible, right. And it's the right surgery for them is, is going to be better for their outcome. And, and a coupled along with that, I think all of orthopedics is seeing a large, shift to the ambulatory uh, care centers. So I, I think that's going to be something we see over the next two to three years with spine just catching up with joints. Right now, it's still kind of on the fence of which people are, are think it's appropriate and they don't. Uh, I admittedly do a fair amount of ambulatory surgery center cases um, in the appropriate selected patients. And there's plenty of data to support the outcomes this cost savings. Uh, I think you guys actually I was just reading an article just put out it's a paper uh, an article on ACDFs and how much how much they save, right? And and you know the the whole experience can be better, right? Because hospitals are not geared towards some hospitals are, but for the predominant majority, they're not geared towards elective orthopedic surgery cases. So you know, in, in their defense, they've got an emergency room. They're caring for sick patients. They have an ICU. You know, an ambulatory center focused specifically on orthopedics. That's all those nurses see. That's all they do. Um, you know, I think our nurses and, and our staff does a fantastic job and the and the patients, um, their reflection of it, um, it shows. So I think we're going to continue to see that. I think we'll see some pushback initially from, you know, a, a generation of surgeons that did not have that ability. So, 
you know, they're so ingrained and used to utilizing hospitals, you know, and, and they find no reason to do it, which is totally fine and appropriate. Um, and then coupling that with hospital systems that obviously either going to have to figure out how to collaborate with orthopedic groups or, um, or orthopedic surgeons um, to ensure that they can continue to capture that care in their network. Because if not, it's going to move from a, an inpatient setting to an outpatient setting. Absolutely. I, I love how you put that. Um, and certainly, you know, that's where healthcare is headed. And that's where we see, as you mentioned at Becker, is just, you know, the trends moving so much towards outpatient spine and orthopedics and the ASC, such a big opportunity for surgeons, as well as, you know, looking at where um, truly the best value is and the best experience for patients. And so I'm really excited about that trend. I think, you know, it'll be something we continue to watch and, and uh, focus on within our coverage. And um, then too, you know, are, are glad that you're seeing things accelerate in that way as well. For sure. It's, it's exciting to see where everything's going. It's going to be a, um, it's going to be a fun couple of years in medicine. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Venezia, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been such a fun conversation. I, I've learned a lot and I, I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Well, thanks again, Laura. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks. To help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there. Mm -hmm.